Welcome to The Diagram. It's your friendly neighborhood relationship coach, Jason. Today we are talking about marriage. We are talking about the life transition of marriage, which can happen the first time in that many people get married more than once. I am mostly talking about moving from your first stage of singleness as an adult into your partnership where you have intentionally tried to be with someone that you're hoping to be with for a lifetime. What a mouthful. That said, everything I'm talking about also counts or may also count for if you've been separated and you're out there looking towards finding a new partner. Let's go. The thing about marriage, number one, is there are a lot of traditions, not just traditions that are based on faith, many traditions are based on culture. So even if you are happening to marry somebody from the same faith on its face, their segment of that faith may have different traditions for how you do the wedding and for things that are supposed to happen in the marriage. Even if you are marrying someone who seemingly is of the same culture, remember cultures have subcultures. Uh, you could be somebody who is a Jamaican and there are within Jamaica, there are many different subcultures. There's no one Jamaican culture. If you're not Jamaican, you may not know this, just like I'm not Chinese. So I don't know all about Chinese subcultures. There is not one culture I have tried to find out more as I've become an adult because I have friends of different cultures and I've studied some in school. But the bottom line is there is no monoculture of any sort. Families have their own unique cultures. And you will find out when you set out to marry a person who you thought you knew what their family's traditions are around not just marriage, but around weddings. These are two separate things. When you are planning your wedding, it is not the same as planning your marriage. Both things need effort. Both things require planning. They require partnership. And we'll get into all of the things required as we go through this topic. It's really a good idea to sit down and talk to any prospective partners. Don't do this on the first date. Don't even do this on the second date. Once you know the relationship is serious and you are thinking about planning a wedding, including the engagement, if that's part of your culture, this is something you want to talk about. What are the things that are the norms in your culture? What are the things that are the norms in your faith? And you want to listen to each other. And once you've talked about those things at a high level, you want to talk to your prospective partner about the things that are deal breakers for them. A deal breaker is something that is not on the table for change. And what things they are willing to wiggle on. You also want to talk about what things aren't really things that they want to continue in their type of marriage, their kind of long-term partnership that they want to have. They may not even want to call it a marriage. They may not want to follow the traditions, but it's important to understand the traditions of their family and their culture because even if your partner does not want to maintain those traditions, it's something that you need to understand so that you can support them being sure that they may face some kind of resistance from their family or their culture from being the person who is no longer going to continue in the tradition. Number two, outside of traditions, there are straight up 
fantasies. Fantasies that we have entertained that may or may not fit in with the future we actually have for ourselves or the finances that we have for ourselves. So people talk about the Disneyfication of marriages. There's a lot to unpack here in that originally what was a marriage meant to be 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago, depending on where you live. That would be a whole history lesson itself. I try to keep these short so we're not going to get into it. But it's important to talk to your partner and unpack for yourself the things that you imagined would happen in your marriage and in your wedding. You need to have the conversation about these things because you would be surprised some of the things that people have not really made any plan for, but they really want them to happen. Uh, they want to have a $100,000 wedding and in the year after they get married, they want to be able to buy a house. I live in the Toronto market. Buying a house requires around $100,000 in capital. So you're talking about between the wedding and the house for a lot of people, you would need $200,000 just to meet that dream. And many people, especially at the younger stage of life, just don't have that money. And many cultures do not have a system to support the people that would want to have this you have a wedding, you pay $70,000, you might come out with $7,000 in gifts. I'm not kidding. So you really want to think about this and try to set yourself up for success. Under this thing about fantasy, there's something that I call Baxter's rule, which um, actually a, a friend of mine came up with. Just the fact that if you have not lived on your own, it's very difficult for you to understand all of the nuances about yourself in your life, and even just about living day-to-day -day life. When you're gonna wash clothes, when you're going to clean the kitchen, are you going to cook? Can you afford to eat out more than once a week or once a month? These are things that we figure out as we are on our own in the world. So it's important for you to see how far your partner has already gone in building a life for themselves. If they've always lived with their parents or they've all, They've gone, if it's their second marriage, from living with their parents to living with a partner who took care of many things. There may be many things that your partner doesn't even know about themselves yet. And you, as their prospective partner, need to make space for the fact that fantasies are not the reality. If you've ever dreamed about doing anything, even as small a thing as taking a trip to a place you've always wanted to go to, no matter how much you research that place, being there is not the same as the fantasy that you put together of what is going to happen in the reality of it. So when you talk about a wedding or you talk about a relationship, especially with how much access we have to famous and wealthy people's relationships at this point, what we look at as normal hashtag relationship goals is very much not in line with what the reality is, even of those relationships that we're looking at. We're looking at people's highlight reels and we are expecting them to be our daily operation. So you need to be prepared for the fact that the fantasy is not the reality. It's very important for both people. This is not a gendered thing. Both people have expectations of what's going to happen in the relationship. And people are very surprised that, oh, well, I figured once you got married that you would become different. Or I figured that you would stay the same even though we got married. If you don't talk about the day-to-day -day operations, what's going to happen? How's it going to work? How are we going to pay for it? 
you will be surprised. And in many ways, it's not a great surprise. So my suggestion is there are many premarital courses. Um, you can work with a coach. You can work with a therapist to talk about this stuff and try to hash it out to understand what your marriage is going to be, which brings me to my third point. Your marriage will be custom. You are not getting an off-the-shelf, off-the-rack partnership. Your partnership is going to be what you and your partner determine it to be. You are going to have to set boundaries with your friends and your family and your partner in order to make it work. And it's easier to do that if you have set clear boundaries within yourselves, within the two of you, before you bring everybody else into it. So number three, please remember what works for you is what works for you. Yes, you can check in with professionals about what works for most people and what's healthy and why it's considered to be healthy. But in your own partnership, please keep in mind that what you see work for other people will not necessarily work for you. Number four, fidelity. You need to define what fidelity looks like in your marriage and you might have to work with a professional to understand why you don't agree on that. In short, we talk about infidelity a lot, which is usually after the fact when something has not worked, not necessarily that there has been cheating, but people's expectation of what fidelity would look like has been breached and now we're talking about it. We need to have conversations about what fidelity looks like. I like the, def the definition of fidelity as two instruments playing beautiful music together and clearly is fidelity. Just like I said a moment ago, if your relationship is going to be custom, what fidelity looks like in your relationship is something that you should discuss. Some people don't want their partner talking to another person. I'd love this idea. I can explain that at length another time. But some people really are not comfortable with their partner talking to other people too much. They want, it's only us and we only need each other. There are many reasons this is not healthy. You need to discuss this and why you want what you want as fidelity. Is it okay for your partner to have friends of the opposite sex? Is it okay for your partner to have friends who are clearly attracted to them? How much do you trust your partner to be apart from you? How much do they need to check in? What will you consider fidelity, your relationship working well, to look like in your relationship? It is very important to talk about this as you transition into any marriage, whether it is your first one, your second, or third one. Fifth and final point, you need to stay curious, vulnerable, caring, and think about being of service to your partner while letting your partner be of service to you. I feel like this point speaks for itself, but I'm going to go through each one. Curiosity. Try to find out what your partner is into, even though you've known them by the time you're getting married for some time, usually. A year after, a month after, three years after, you need to stay curious about what this person that you met and thought was great is into. Stay vulnerable. You need to be open to telling your partner what you really are going through, what you really are feeling, what you really want. Caring. You need to care. If your partner seems down and they tell you they're fine, you don't need to browbeat them until they tell you, but you still need to be caring and compassionate to them when it's obvious to you that they're not okay. If they're not ready to talk about it, don't force your partner to talk about it, but you can care for them without trying to force them to talk about it. Give them something to eat, spend some quality time with them, go for a walk with them, be present. Caring is not 
knowing it's not the same thing. Being of service to your partner, little bit about caring is the things that you do that help your partner. If your partner tells you that they want something, believe them. Don't try to adjust it or level it up or make it better or give them what you would want. Being of service means what can you do to help them? If your partner says they don't want help with something, sometimes they don't. They want to accomplish it, but you can clear the way. So if your partner needs time to work on a course, then you should create the environment that makes it possible for them to work on the course. You don't have to quiz them on the course that they're taking. If they say they want to do it alone and they don't want to go through it with you, sometimes you have partners who are getting into the same field as their partner, but they don't want their partner to become the teacher. It can be complicated. So being of service doesn't always mean chasing your partner. It can mean clearing the path so they can accomplish their goals. Letting your partner be of service to you. This is a big one. You need to let your partner do the things that you need to be loved. If you will not let your partner be of service to you, you don't have a partnership and your partner may start to feel like you are not attracted to them. In the interest of keeping this short, I'm not going to get more into that one. But just to be clear, let your partner be of service to you. Let them love on you. Allow them to take care of you. So that's point number five. Those are my five points on the life transition of marriage. I hope this helps. I hope you have a good day.